we've seen an explosion in both activity trackers and health trackers. Uh, Apple watches, now Pixel watches, Samsung watches. People are wearing this stuff all the time. What is your just your hottest of hot takes about them? Largely overrated. Um, and I say that in the present time. So it's December 7th, 2022. I don't want someone to have a breakthrough next year and then play this clip and be like, overrated, huh? We saved 100 million lives. I'm like, right now it's overrated. Yeah, I have this beautiful dream where one day, like I'm visiting you in the US and I stumble and fall and break something and I go to the hospital and all I do is just tap my watch. I don't have to do any insurance forms. I don't have to connect them with any other medical facilities. It just gives consent for everything to be downloaded, all the information to be available, all the like everything to be paid for. And then I can just go about getting treatment. That's my beautiful Renee, dream. as a doctor, I have to say I'm concerned that you have what you call a pleasant dream of you hurting yourself in the US. <laughs> that sounds more of a nightmare, especially for most of my <laughs> patients, but I understand what you're getting at. The electronic health record is an absolute mess. The fact that none of these systems talk to one another, the fact that I can't just go on and type a single word that's found somewhere in my patient's chart and have it automatically pop up is a disaster. And the, the people that suffer with this, number one are patients, so basically all of us, and then number two, the healthcare providers who are trying to give good care, but are drastically slowed down by these draconian systems. What about the preventative? I think there's like two other categories. One is preventative, where they try to get us to stand up more, to move around more, uh, to hydrate more. I had this problem where I like when I start working, when I start editing a video, I become like locked, like quantum locked onto that process. And like yeah. hours can go by. I'll forget to eat. I'll forget to sleep. And I will just like concentrate on that task. And I was hoping that the like the beeps to stand up, the beeps to go get a glass of water would help me de develop better habits. But I noticed my brain's like, oh yeah, I need to go do that. Well, let me just finish this part of the edit and I'll still <laughs> make it within that five minute period. And then another hour has gone by. Well, Renee, you're highlighting a very important point in medicine that is not just useful for this tech conversation, but also every other conversation in healthcare, which is A, alarm fatigue where if an alarm goes off enough times and you know it's not an emergency, you start ignoring it and that alarm becomes useless. We actually are very cognizant of that in our hospitals because we need to know that when an alarm's going off, we need to react. So if there's any time an alarm going on in a redundant, uh, in a redundant matter, we actually try and shut that alarm off or address it because if we get attuned to hearing an alarm and not acting, that sets a really dangerous precedent. Then the second thing is the difference between general and individual medicine. So in general, I say these tools are overrated, but there may be a patient that could be you that would benefit from an alarm system to uh, remind them to stand up. There could be a patient that's on a medication that doesn't hydrate well, that would benefit from a hydration alarm being set. So I, I hate to say overrated and put a blanket term over it. What I'm saying overrated, I'm saying for the general population. And then there are individual cases where some of these tech products actually work wonders. I just don't use it as a coverall and say everyone should get this device or everyone should use this because the utility just isn't there for most. The emergency stuff interests me. Like mutual friend Georgia Dow, she actually fell down the staircase to her basement uh, and her watch went off and was going to call 911. And luckily her husband heard her because she was like yeah. badly hurt. Uh, luckily he heard her and came down, but if he hadn't been there, that would have called 911. And I immediately went and bought Apple watches for both my father and my mother after that. 
Yeah, look, that's one piece of technology that actually makes a lot of sense. I have heard some false alarms, but they've been far and few between like on roller coasters and some stuff and you can manually override them. So in those cases, it's great. But then you have instances where warning you because of an elevated heart rate or uh, a moment of atrial fibrillation that is now causing major anxiety for this person. They come to see me. I don't know what to do with it because- we're not trained to treat three seconds of atrial fibrillation. We end up doing a tens of thousands of dollar workup to find out this person doesn't have atrial fibrillation 99.9% of the time. And we're left making recommendations off of invisible guidance. And as you can imagine, anytime you don't have good evidence uh, to make a recommendation, you start guessing basically. And expert opinion is really no different than a guess. Yeah. Is, there a, is that a case where you think the technology needs to improve, the education needs to improve, the integration of the two things need to improve? I think what needs to improve is before we start telling the general public about said technology, we need to have good data on what that technology is doing, what it's monitoring, and what problem it's trying to solve. Because we've run into this problem when it comes to screenings, um, like to prevent cancer and such. Whereas we started creating and recommending certain things that sounded really good on paper. Like this screening does a great job at catching this cancer early. And because of that, we lowered the deaths of this cancer by 50%. But then we look at the other end and we see that the deaths of those people actually go up for other causes because they're going for these treatments that aren't necessary. And we need to be really aware that every time you're doing an intervention into someone's life, whether tech or not, you're going to have negative outcomes and positive outcomes. And unless you study the downstream effects, you won't know if what you're doing is an overall net positive or net negative. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's like, if we start categorizing it out, you have like the emergency alert systems, you have the medical alert systems, uh, whether that's the screens that show emergency contacts or or things that try to alert you to different pulse and heart rates. What about the oxygen? Everyone wants to now measure body temperature, pulse oxygen, those sorts of things. Because you're not just a doctor, I should point out. For people who don't know this, you're also a boxer uh, who is training what I would say towards the edges of the human limits, like Captain America style training at this point. (laughs) It's definitely some serious training. Uh, Becoming a professional boxer really allowed me to create more empathy with my patients who are training (laughs) collegiate, high school, professional level sports. It's definitely a different ball game. Um, For me, those types of sensors are right now venturing into the space of quote unquote biohacking. And that's where my biggest skepticism alarm starts to ring uh, in that there's some things we know on the superficial level about the human body, like your body likes to lower its temperature when we fall asleep. Like if your temperature is elevated because you have a fever and you're sick, your heart rate goes up. And then from that, we start extrapolating things that are not yet proven to try and give people recommendations on how to live their life. And to me, this falls into one of two categories. One, it's complete bullshit because we don't have the evidence and you're just guessing. Or two, you're making recommendations that I would make anyway without that information, like eat well, exercise, sleep well, have social connections. These are things we should do with or without those biohacking tools. So the value of purchasing that thing drastically drops in my mind. Because Renee, the reality is people have a limited budget of which they can allocate to their healthcare spending, whether that means buying healthy foods, getting healthy foods delivered to them, uh, gym memberships, hospital spending. 
And if we have limitations on those funds, we should not be encouraging people to buy biohacking tools that are making large promises, most of which the time are BS, or going to make recommendations that I will make to you uh, over my YouTube channel the same way for free. You just, get, you just put this picture in my head of Ivan Drago with all the sensors on him as he's training <laughs> to fight Rocky. All those sensors are bullshit. Guess what? That was a movie. There is no sensors like that that we need to test any boxer for because here's, again, those sensors are cool. They might give you some cool data about who you are and how you, but at the end of the day, it's how you perform. It's what you're doing. Can you change your training regimen to improve whatever it is that you're studying there? Maybe at the top tier, but because you could change one or two percentage points. And there's only a handful of people in the world that need to change their performance by one or two percentage points. Like the rest of us would not benefit from this technology. And we need to be honest and upfront about that. So is there a case, are, are there benefits that people can get from these technologies, whether it's just mindfulness, whether it is, for example, they want to sleep, at, they want to make sure they're sleeping at the same hours and they can have a little alert go off for them. Are, are there use cases that you do find beneficial? I think that while the majority of these issues are mostly entertainment, valueless, stress-inducing numbers, I do think there are some instances where some of these tools can help. One, you're looking to kickstart a routine. You're looking to get excited and find a little bit of a spark to get excited about working out. Perhaps a tool like an Apple Watch, a Whoop, a Garmin, a Polar Fitness Tracker can start that journey for you. But you have to know that that is not what's going to make you stick with the journey. So it's solely a potential Kickstarter, not longevity in making a lifestyle change. Two, some of these things, especially when you're talking about uh, calorie loggers, uh, activity trackers, they're good for general education for you to know how many calories are in six ounces of chicken. How many calories or carbs are there in a cup of brown rice? How many calories do I burn when I go on this treadmill versus run outside? That line of general information could be good if you are actually using it to benefit yourself so that you can then free yourself of those trackers. Like now when I eat, I can make a really good guesstimate of what is in my food macro and calorie wise because of my time spent on those apps. I now know when I spend X amount of time on a treadmill versus a Stairmaster, how many calories I'm burning. And I don't need those apps. So the idea is to use those apps to your benefit, get that spark, get that knowledge, and then free yourself from them because you're not a robot that needs these things to have a healthy lifestyle. They're not a mandate for a healthy lifestyle. But if they added a YouTube app to the watch, people could watch Dr. Mike videos. <laughs> you know, I, I always find myself in this predicament of wanting to encourage people to watch my videos, but at the same time, understanding that if you're just sitting for long periods of time and you're not moving around, am I actually doing a disservice? For me, if you're going to sit and watch YouTube videos that are not going to improve your knowledge of your health, of what things you could change about your health, about how the world around you works. And then I can get you instead to watch my videos where you can get those things. It's a form of risk reduction. Totally self-serving, but it's how I explain <laughs> it to myself. 
Well, I mean, at the risk of totally embarrassing myself, you often drop big videos on the weekend and I make it a point whenever I wake up, I go and I watch those videos. But as I'm watching, I press the workout app and I start a dance workout and then I do my best wow. like Wednesday Adams for half an hour while I'm watching YouTube. Wow. Okay. So you're taking it to the next level. I'm going to hope everyone that watches my videos is doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Watch them on a treadmill. Watch them like just be active with Dr. Mike. How's that? How's that? Okay. That, that's a, that's a beautiful statement, Renee. I've just been traveling so much lately, like five cities in seven weeks and not a trip went by when I wasn't locked out of an account at least once that I needed urgently just because I was trying to access it from an unexpected place. Banks, credit cards, Amazon, Google. In some cases, I just had to go through an onerous validation process to get back in, but others wanted me to open apps and grant approval on devices I didn't even have with me or get SMS codes while I was on an airplane. And it was all just so, so frustrating. And that's why I decided to get NordVPN. So that if I needed to log into an account urgently, no matter where I was, I could log in as if I was at home. Same for my streaming services some of which just blocked my access every time I left the country, no matter what series I was right in the middle of at the time. But with NordVPN, I can just keep on watching like I never left the country. And those are just a couple of the many, many, many reasons that many, many, many people choose to use NordVPN. And because they're sponsoring today's video, you can check out all of them, even try it for yourself at nordvpn.com slash Renee Ritchie, or just click the link below. And the best part, the very best part, is that you can try it with absolutely no risk, thanks to Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So just click the link below or go to nordvpn.com slash Renee Ritchie to get the two-year plan and four additional months for free. Thanks, NordVPN, and thanks to all of you for your support.